Book 2, Chapter 1 I propose now to set down my past wickedness and the carnal corruptions of my soul, not for love of them, but that I may love thee, O my God. I do it for love of thy love, passing again in the bitterness of remembrance over my most evil ways, that thou mayest thereby grow ever lovelier to me, O loveliness that dost not deceive, loveliness happy and abiding. And I collect myself out of that broken state in which my very being was torn asunder, because I was turned away from thee, the one, and wasted myself upon the many. Arrived now at adolescence, I burned for all the satisfactions of hell, and I sank to the animal in a succession of dark lusts. My beauty consumed away, and I stank in thine eyes, yet was pleasing in my own, and anxious to please the eyes of men. Chapter 2 My one delight was to love and to be loved, but in this I did not keep the measure of mind to mind, which is the luminous line of friendship, but from the muddy concupiscence of the flesh and the hot imagination of puberty, mists steamed up to be cloud and darken my heart, so that I could not distinguish the white light of love from the fog of lust. Both love and lust boiled within me, and swept my youthful immaturity over the precipice of evil desires to leave me half drowned in a whirlpool of abominable sins. Your wrath had grown mighty against me, and I knew it not. I had grown deaf from the clanking of the chain of my mortality, the punishment for the pride of my soul. And I departed further from you, and you left me to myself. And I was tossed about and wasted and poured out and boiling over in my fornications. And you were silent, O my late one joy. You were silent, and I, arrogant and depressed, weary and restless, wandered further and further from you into more and more sins which could bear no fruit save sorrows. If only there had been someone then to bring relief to the wretchedness of my state, and turn to account the fleeting beauties of these new temptations, and bring within bounds their attractions for me, so that the tides of my youth might have driven in upon the shore of marriage, for then they might have been brought to calm with the having of children as your law prescribes, O Lord. For in this way you form the offspring of this our death, able with gentle hand to blunt the thorns that you would not have in your paradise. For your omnipotence is not far from us, even when we are far from you. Or, on the other hand, I might well have listened more heedfully to the voice from the clouds, Nevertheless, such as Mary shall have tribulation of the flesh, but I spare you. And, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And, he that is without a wife is solicitous for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please God. But he that is with a wife is solicitous for the things of the world, how he may please his wife. I should have listened more closely to these words, and made myself a eunuch for the kingdom of heaven, and so in all tranquility awaited your embraces. Instead, I foamed in my wickedness, following the rushing of my own tide, leaving you and going beyond all your laws. Nor did I escape your scourges. No mortal can. You were always by me, mercifully hard upon me, and besprinkling all my illicit pleasures with certain elements of bitterness, to draw me on to seek for pleasures in which no bitterness should be. And where was I to find such pleasures, save in you, O Lord, you who use sorrow to teach, and wound us to heal, and kill us lest we die to you? Where then was I, and how far from the delights of your house, in that sixteenth year of my life in this world, when the madness of lust, needing no license from human shamelessness, receiving no license from your laws, took complete control of me, and I surrendered wholly to it? My family took no care to save me from this moral destruction by marriage. Their only concern was that I should learn to make as fine and persuasive speeches as possible. Chapter 3 In that year my studies were interrupted. I had come back from Adaura, a neighboring city to which I had been sent to study grammar and rhetoric, and the money was being got together for the longer journey to Carthage, where I was to go because my father was set upon it, not that he was rich, for he was only a poor citizen of Tagast. But to whom am I telling this? Not to thee, O oh my God, but in thy presence I am telling it to my own kind, to the race of men, or rather to that small part of the human race that may come upon these writings. And to what purpose do I tell it? 
simply that I and any other who may read it may realize out of what depths we must cry to thee. For nothing is more surely heard by thee than a heart that confesses thee and a life in thy faith. Everyone of course praised my father because, although his means did not allow it, he had somehow provided the wherewithal for his son to travel so far for the sake of his studies. Many a very much richer citizen did no such thing for his children. Yet this same father never bothered about how I was growing towards you, or how chaste or unchaste I might be, so long as I grew in eloquence, however much I might lack of your cultivation, O God, who are the one true and good Lord of your field, my heart. But during that sixteenth year, between Madaura and Carthage, owing to the narrowness of the family fortunes, I did not go to school, but lived idly at home with my parents. The briars of unclean lusts grew so that they towered over my head, and there was no hand to root them out. On the contrary, my father saw me one day in the public baths, now obviously growing towards manhood and showing the turbulent signs of adolescence. The effect upon him was that he already began to look forward to grandchildren, and went home in happy excitement to tell my mother. He rejoiced indeed through that intoxication in which the world forgets you its creator, and loves that which you have created instead of you, the intoxication of the invisible wine of a will perverted and turned towards baseness. But in my mother's breast you had already laid the foundation of your temple, and begun your holy habitation, whereas my father was still only a catechumen, and a new catechumen at that, so that she was stricken with a holy fear. And though I was not as yet baptized, she was in terror of my walking in the crooked ways of those who walk with their backs towards you and not their faces. I have dared to say that you were silent, my God, when I went afar from you. But was it truly so? Whose but yours were the words you dinned into my ears through the voice of my mother, your faithful servant? Not that at that time any of it sank into my heart to make me do it, I still remember her anxiety and how earnestly she urged upon me not to sin with women, above all not with any man's wife. All this sounded to me womanish, and I should have blushed to obey. Yet it was from you, though I did not know it, and thought that you were silent and she speaking, whereas you were speaking to me through her, and in ignoring her I was ignoring you, I, her son, the son of your handmaid, your servant. But I realized none of this, and went headlong on my course, so blinded that I was ashamed among the other youths that my viciousness was less than theirs. I heard them boasting of their exploits, and the viler the exploits, the louder the boasting, and I set about the same exploits not only for the pleasure of the act, but for the pleasure of the boasting. Nothing is utterly condemnable save vice, yet I grew in vice through desire of praise, and when I lacked opportunity to equal others in vice, I invented things I had not done, lest I might be held cowardly for being innocent, or contemptible for being chaste. With the basest companions I walked the streets of Babylon, the city of this world as opposed to the city of God, and wallowed in its filth as if it had been a bed of spices and precious ointments. To make me cleave closer to that city's very center, the invisible enemy trod me down and seduced me, for I was easy to seduce. My mother had by now fled out of the center of Babylon, but she still lingered in its outskirts. She had urged me to chastity, but she did not follow up what my father had told her of me. And though she saw my sexual passions as most evil now and full of peril for the future, she did not consider that if they could not be pared down to the quick, they had better be brought under control within the bounds of married love. She did not want me married because she feared that a wife might be a hindrance to my prospects, not those hopes of the world to come which my mother had in you, O God, but my prospects as a student. Both my parents were unduly set upon the success of my studies, my father because he had practically no thought of you and only vain ambition for me, my mother because she thought that the usual course of studies would be not only no hindrance to my coming to you, but an actual help. Recalling the past as well as I can, that is how I read my parents' characters. Anyhow, I was left to do pretty well as I liked, and go after pleasure, not only beyond the limit of reasonable discipline, but to sheer dissoluteness in many kinds of evil. And in all this, O God, a mist hung between my eyes and the brightness of your truth, and mine iniquity had come forth as it were from fatness. Chapter 4 
Your law, O Lord, punishes theft, and this law is so written in the hearts of men that not even the breaking of it blots it out. For no thief bears calmly being stolen from, not even if he is rich and the other steals through want. Yet I chose to steal, and not because want drove me to it, unless a want of justice and contempt for it and an excess for iniquity. For I stole things which I already had in plenty and of better quality. Nor had I any desire to enjoy the things I stole, but only the stealing of them and the sin. There was a pear tree near our vineyard, heavy with fruit, but fruit that was not particularly tempting either to look at or to taste. A group of young blackguards, and I among them, went out to knock down the pears and carry them off late one night, for it was our bad habit to carry on our games in the streets till very late. We carried off an immense load of pears, not to eat, for we barely tasted them before throwing them to the hogs. Our only pleasure in doing it was that it was forbidden. Such was my heart, O God, such was my heart, yet in the depth of the abyss you had pity on it. Let that heart now tell you what it sought when I was thus evil for no object, having no cause for wrongdoing save my wrongness. The malice of the act was base, and I loved it. That is to say, I loved my own undoing, I loved the evil in me, not the thing for which I did the evil, simply the evil. My soul was depraved, and hurled itself down from security in you into utter destruction, seeking no profit from wickedness, but only to be wicked. Chapter 5 There is an appeal to the eye in beautiful things, in gold and silver and all such. The sense of touch has its own powerful pleasures, and the other senses find qualities in things suited to them. Worldly success has its glory, and the power to command and to overcome, and from this springs the thirst for revenge. But in our quest of all these things we must not depart from you, Lord, or deviate from your law. This life we live here below has its own attractiveness, grounded in the measure of beauty it has, and its harmony with the beauty of all lesser things. The bond of human friendship is admirable, holding many souls as one. Yet in the enjoyment of all such things we commit sin, if through immoderate inclination to them, for though they are good, they are of the lowest order of good, things higher and better are forgotten, even you, O Lord our God, and your truth and your law. These lower things have their delights, but not such as my God has, for he made them all, and in him doth the righteous delight, and he is the joy of the upright of heart. Now when we ask why this or that particular evil act was done, it is normal to assume that it could not have been done save through the desire of gaining or the fear of losing some one of these lower goods, for they have their own charm and their own beauty, though compared with the higher values of heaven they are poor and mean enough. Such a man has committed murder. Why? He wanted the other man's wife or his property, or he had chosen robbery as a means of livelihood, or he feared to lose this or that through his victim's act, or he had been wronged and was aflame for vengeance. Would any man commit a murder for no cause, for the sheer delight of murdering? The thing would be incredible. There is of course the case of the man, Catiline, who was said to be so stupidly and savagely cruel that he practiced cruelty and evil even when he had nothing to gain by them. But even there a cause was stated. He did it, he said, lest through idleness his hand or his resolution should grow slack. And why did he want to prevent that? So that one day by the multiplication of his crimes the city should be his, and he would have gained honors and authority and riches, and would no longer be in fear of the law or in the difficulties that want of money and the awareness of his crimes had brought him. So that not even Catiline loved his crimes as crimes. He loved some other thing which was his reason for committing them. Chapter 6 What was it then that in my wretched folly I loved in you, O theft of mine, deed wrought in that dark night when I was sixteen? For you were not lovely, you were a theft. Or are you anything at all that I should talk with you? The pears that we stole were beautiful, for they were created by thee, thou most beautiful of all, creator of all, thou good God, my sovereign and true good. The pears were beautiful, but it was not pears that my empty soul desired. For I had any number of better pears of my own, and plucked those only that I might steal. For once I had gathered them, I threw them away, tasting only my own sin and savoring that with delight. For if I took so much as a bite of any one of those pears, it was the sin that sweetened it. 
And now, Lord my God, I ask what was it that attracted me in that theft, for there was no beauty in it to attract. I do not mean merely that it lacked the beauty that there is in justice and prudence, or in the mind of man, or his senses and vegetative life, or even so much as the beauty and glory of the stars in the heavens, or of earth and sea with their oncoming of new life to replace the generations that pass. It had not even that false show or shadow of beauty by which sin tempts us. Thus pride wears the mask of loftiness of spirit, although you alone, O God, are high over all. Ambition seeks honor and glory, although you alone are to be honored before all and glorious forever. By cruelty the great seek to be feared, yet who is to be feared but God alone? From his power what can be wrested away, or when or where or how or by whom? The caresses by which the lustful seduce are a seeking for love, but nothing is more caressing than your charity, nor is anything more healthfully loved than your supremely lovely, supremely luminous truth. Curiosity may be regarded as a desire for knowledge, whereas you supremely know all things. Ignorance and sheer stupidity hide under the names of simplicity and innocence. Yet no being has simplicity like to yours, and none is more innocent than you, for it is their own deeds that harm the wicked. Sloth pretends that it wants quietude, but what sure rest is there save the Lord? Luxuriousness would be called abundance and completeness, but you are the fullness and inexhaustible abundance of incorruptible delight. Wastefulness is a parody of generosity, but you are the infinitely generous giver of all good. Avarice wants to possess overmuch, but you possess all. Enviousness claims that it strives to excel, but what can excel before you? Anger clamors for just vengeance, but whose vengeance is so just as yours? Fear is the recoil from a new and sudden threat to something one holds dear, and a cautious regard for one's own safety, but nothing new or sudden can happen to you, nothing can threaten your hold upon things loved, and where is safety secure save in you? Grief pines at the loss of things in which desire delighted, for it wills to be like to you, from whom nothing can be taken away. Thus the soul is guilty of fornication when she turns from you and seeks from any other source what she will nowhere find pure and without taint unless she returns to you. Thus even those who go from you and stand up against you are still perversely imitating you. But by the mere fact of their imitation, they declare that you are the creator of all that is, and that there is nowhere for them to go where you are not. So once again, what did I enjoy in that theft of mine? Of what excellence of my Lord was I making perverse and vicious imitation? Perhaps it was the thrill of acting against your law, at least in appearance, since I had no power to do so in fact, the delight a prisoner might have in making some small gesture of liberty, getting a deceptive sense of omnipotence from doing something forbidden without immediate punishment. I was that slave who fled from his lord and pursued his lord's shadow. O rottenness, O monstrousness of life and abyss of death, could you find pleasure only in what was forbidden, and only because it was forbidden? Chapter 7 what shall I render unto the Lord that I can recall these things and yet not be afraid? I shall love thee, Lord, and shall give thanks to thee and confess thy name, because thou hast forgiven me such great sins and evil deeds. I know that it is only by thy grace and mercy that thou hast melted away the ice of my sins, and the evil I have not done, that also I know is by thy grace. For what might I not have done, seeing that I loved evil solely because it was evil? I confess that thou hast forgiven all alike, the sins I committed of my own motion, the sins I would have committed but for thy grace. Would any man, considering his own weakness, dare to attribute his chastity or his innocence to his own powers, and so love thee less, as if he did not need the same mercy as those who return to thee after sin? If any man has heard thy voice and followed it, and done none of the things he finds me here recording and confessing, still he must not scorn me, for I am healed by the same doctor who preserved him from falling into sickness, or at least into such grievous sickness. But let him love thee even more, seeing me rescued out of such sickness of sin, and himself saved from falling into such sickness of sin by the one same Saviour. Chapter 8 What fruit therefore had I, in my vileness, in those things of which I am now ashamed? 
especially in that piece of thieving in which I loved nothing except the thievery, though that in itself was no thing, and I only the more wretched for it. Now, as I think back on the state of my mind then, I am altogether certain that I would not have done it alone. Perhaps then what I really loved was the companionship of those with whom I did it. If so, can I still say that I loved nothing over and above the thievery? Surely I can. That companionship was nothing over and above, because it was nothing. What is the truth of it? Who shall show me unless he that illumines my heart and brings light into its dark places? What is the thing that I am trying to get at in all this discussion? If I had liked the pears that I stole and wanted to enjoy eating them, I might have committed the offense alone, if that had been sufficient, to get me the pleasure I wanted. I should not have needed to inflame the itch of my desires by rubbing against accomplices. But since the pleasure I got was not in the pears, it must have been in the crime itself, and put there by the companionship of others sinning with me. Chapter 9 What was my feeling in all this? Depraved, undoubtedly, and woe is me that I had it. But what exactly was it? Who can understand sins? We laughed together as if our hearts were tickled to be playing a trick upon the owners who had no notion of what we were doing and would very strongly have objected. But what delight did I find in that, which I should not equally have found if I had done it alone? Because we are not much given to laughing when we are alone? Not much given, perhaps, but laughter does sometimes overcome a man when no one else is about, if something especially ridiculous is seen or heard or floats into the mind. Yet I would not have done this by myself. Quite definitely, I would not have done it by myself. Here then, O God, is the memory still vivid in my mind. I would not have committed that theft alone. My pleasure in it was not what I stole, but that I stole. Yet I would not have enjoyed doing it. I would not have done it alone. O friendship unfriendly, unanalyzable attraction for the mind, greediness to do damage for the mere sport and jest of it, desire for another's loss with no gain to oneself or vengeance to be satisfied. Someone cries, Come on, let's do it, and we would be ashamed to be ashamed. Chapter 10 Who can unravel that complex twisted knottedness? It is unclean, I hate to think of it or look at it. I long for thee, O justice and innocence, joy and beauty of the clear of sight. I long for thee with unquenchable longing. There is sure repose in thee, and life untroubled. He that enters into thee, enters into the joy of his Lord, and shall not fear, and shall be well with him who is the best. I went away from thee, my God, in my youth. I strayed too far from thy sustaining power, and I became myself a barren land. <laughs>